0: Many weeks ago, I planned a series that would take us through the Lent season, the, the weeks that lead up to Easter. And uh, we're looking at the upper room experience together. I'm fascinated with those chapters in John, John chapters 13 through 17, because it gives us an entire um, conversation though all those chapters make up one night in one upper room we rarely get to be able to see the the details of conversations that jesus had with his disciples uh, to that degree most of the time in the gospels we'll get little snippets here and there but here we get we get all those chapters that describe for us that one long conversation and so we're looking at that night together and When I planned this weeks ago, I had no way of knowing that this Sunday would be the Sunday that we need to hear Jesus say, let not your hearts be troubled. But that's where we are today. We're in John chapter 14. If you have your copy of scripture handy, I want to invite you to look with me there in John chapter 14 at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want us to notice a few things out of that great text, and the first that I want us to notice, especially this morning, is that Christ offers us his peace. He speaks of his peace he says to his disciples and thereby saying it to us this morning let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me it's no surprise that their hearts would be troubled there's a reason that he knew he needed to say that to them because they they had just heard a lot of weird stuff it was a scary time for them They had just heard Jesus say that one of them was a traitor. They had just heard Jesus tell Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows or in our terms before the alarm clock goes off in the morning. And even more than that, he told them in that previous chapter that he was not going to be with them any longer. Imagine. The disciples, having given their lives to follow him, trusting him each step along the way, leaving their old lives behind, in some cases having to separate from family, following him and trusting him with their all. And now he says, One of you will betray me, one of you will deny me, and I am not going to be with you any longer. No wonder their hearts might be troubled. When you and I hear the news, our hearts are troubled. When we follow along on social media to try to keep up with what's happening and how we can best respond, our hearts might be troubled. And so it made sense in that moment and it makes sense in our moment that Jesus would say to them and now to us, let not your heart be troubled. You see, the the first sentence of that verse tells us what to do. The second sentence in that verse tells us how to do it. And so immediately when when we hear him say, let not your heart be troubled, we say, well, how are we going to do that? In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the sickness, how are we not going to let our hearts be troubled? Well, he told us in the next sentence. The first sentence tells us what to do. The second sentence tells us how to do it. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is saying, don't let your focus be on all the things that would trouble you. Instead, let your focus be in me. Jesus says, you already believe in God. Believe in me too. Trust me. Let's make this about our relationship with him. You remember, Peter, when Jesus invited him out of the boat onto the water? By the way, don't give Peter a hard rap because he's the only guy who was willing to get out of the boat. But when he got out of the boat, he had his eyes on Jesus and he walked on the water. And then he turned his eyes from Jesus and he looked at the storm around him. And it was when he got his focus on the storm around him that the water was no longer a walkway. And Peter went down. I think Jesus is saying to us this morning, the world is changing around you drastically every day, but I'll never change. Yes, there are troubling times, but let not your heart be troubled. Instead, believe in me. You see, he didn't give us just a, just a hopeless command that, that we were incapable of keeping. He gave us a command and he told us how it works. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe me. Trust me. Friends, we need, to, we need to know what's happening so that we can respond appropriately. We need to pay attention so that we can act with an abundance of compassion. But while we do all that, our primary focus needs to be our relationship with the one who is going to get us through. We focus on him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of what we're going through, he's the same. The very God who was with the Hebrew boys in in the fiery furnace is the God who is with us today. The very God who is in that lion's den with Daniel, is with us today. The very God who was with the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness is with us today. He never changes. He was faithful to them. He is faithful to us. We can trust him. Let not your heart be troubled. Instead, believe in him. Trust him. He's got this. When I was a teenager, the the Imperials were... Uh, kind of a big thing. They were a contemporary Christian group back then. I loved to go to Imperials concerts. I loved to, to, to hear their music because the lyrics resonated with me at that point of, of in my life in such a, a meaningful way. One of their songs, I think, is particularly appropriate for us this morning. And it said, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. He didn't build his home in us to move away. He didn't lift us up to let us down. Let not your hearts be troubled. And I say that not just like a a nice greeting card to encourage you. I say that with, with power and authority of Scripture. Let not your heart be troubled. Instead, believe in the one who will get us through. The great shepherd who guides us through even the darkest valleys of the shadow of death. The almighty one, the alpha, the omega, the great physician. It is he who cares for us. And we can trust him each step along the way. Later on in this chapter, it is in this same context, this same conversation. Later on in this chapter, he says again in verse 27, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Why? He told us why. Because I'm giving you my peace. And it is that peace that passes understanding. It is that peace, Paul says, that guards our hearts. That word for guard is the word of a century that marches around and it says God's peace will march around your heart, protecting it, making sure that you can live at peace regardless of what's happening out there. Let not your heart be troubled. We can depend on him and his peace. But you know, in this conversation, he not only speaks of his peace, but he also speaks of his place. Isn't this exciting? Listen, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. That, that word for rooms is a word that means a dwelling place, a living space, if you will. Uh, some of the earlier translations translated that as mansion. And, and I, I understand the concept. It means that it's a place to live. However, when, when it was translated mansion, I think many of us got the wrong idea that, that we're going to go to heaven and, and live in this great, uh, awesome mansion. Everybody gets their huge house to live in. But, but that's not really what he's saying. He's saying there is one house, God's house. And we all get to go home to live in God's house with him. It's not that we're going to be separated in our own big mansions up there. It is that we each have our own dwelling place, our living space in God's house. And even that is is, is more symbolic than anything. What it means is that we will be with him. We'll be together. And the important part there, the part that just thrills me, is that he says there's room. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Where God dwells, there is space for many and he's saying, there's a space for you. Listen, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So he has told them, I'm going. He already told them that earlier this evening. I'm leaving. But when I leave, I'm going to go and, and, and prepare a place for you to come and be with me. And so he says, why would I go prepare a place if there wasn't a place for you? If there was no space left, you see the essence of his promise to them is, I'm going to give you my peace, and then I'm going to welcome you to my place. Heaven is an incredible place, isn't it? Scripture describes it as a kingdom, an inheritance, a country, a city, and here it describes it as a home. Well, who gets to live in the Father's house? The answer's simple, the Father's children. Friends, if you've accepted Christ and you've trusted in Him, you have a personal relationship with Him, then you've already been adopted into God's family. And one of these days, He's going to welcome you into His home. And we get to be with Him forever. Continuing in our text in verse 3, Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, I'm going to take you to myself. Now understand that is the essence of heaven. Heaven is an incredible place, it's a beautiful place. But what makes heaven such a wonderful place and such a beautiful place is not really the golden streets or the the pearly gates. It's not even the glassy sea or the angels. What makes heaven heaven is that that's where Jesus is. Imagine getting to see Jesus face to face, eye to eye. We get to experience him in a more personal way than, than, than we've ever known on this earth. We get to see him and hear him. We get to be with him. And so he says, I'm going to come and take you. That where I am, you may be also. What an incredible place that must be to be with him. Those of you who've been a part of FBC West for a while are familiar with R.G. Lee's quote in which he taught us about heaven. He said, heaven is the most beautiful place The mind of God could conceive, and the hand of God could create. Later, when John tried to describe heaven, he just couldn't find the right words to take the the spiritual reality of heaven and put it into human terms that we could understand. He, He just couldn't find the words, and so he used beautiful illustrations and beautiful images to help us get a glimpse of what it would be like. But then he also told us what would not be there. He couldn't fully explain what what is there, but he could tell us what would not be there. And so throughout Revelation chapter 21 and 22, we find out that there is no death there, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no night. Because of those things, we know there's no illness, no viruses, No fear, no no running scared. There is the comfort, the joy of truly being alive and being in the presence of Jesus Christ who made it possible. Even though the journey is tough right now, it's sure good to know that the road leads home. It's good to remember that this is not all there is, this is temporary. We're going to get through this difficult time and we're going to keep serving the Lord during this temporary pilgrimage until one of these days we get to be home with Him. So notice already in these first few verses, Jesus has provided us incredible comfort. He gave us comfort for now and comfort for later. He gave us comfort for now. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Trust me. I'll give you my peace. That's the comfort we live in while we're here. But then we also look forward to that time in which there will be great comfort later. He says, I'm going to go and prepare that place for you. Now, I've heard a lot of Christians say that that they're not afraid of this virus because uh, they get to go to heaven. And and I wanted to say to you, that that's, that's good. But folks, it's not just about getting to go to heaven his peace matters right now we don't have to be afraid right now regardless of whether uh, of whether it's time for us to go to heaven we don't have to be afraid peace is not just about our later experience it's also a current reality God is with us now and later we'll be with him isn't it great how that works out He is with us right now in the person of his Holy Spirit. And later, we get to go home and be with him. Jesus has taught us about his peace, his place, and then he tells us about his path. It's good to know that we can be at peace while we're here. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to let our hearts be troubled. And it's good to know that one of these days we have a home to go to That's that's exciting, but how do we get there? What does it take to get to that place and to find that peace while we're here? We need to know his path. And so we continue in the text. In verse 4, he says, you know the way where I'm going. And old Thomas, we can always count on Thomas to not be quite sure. Thomas is the, the one who now we call Doubting Thomas Thomas is the guy who, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical. You're going to have to prove it to me. You'll, you'll need to show me. And so he's very, he's very concrete in his thinking, very practical. And Jesus says, you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas says, wait a minute. Uh, we don't know where you're headed. Thomas is thinking in the physical realm. He's thinking of a, of a geological spot and so he's saying, uh, Jesus, you have to draw some map. I, I don't know where I'm going, much less how I'm going to get there. And Jesus, in his, in his loving way, explains to Thomas, you haven't fully understood what I'm saying yet. Look at the context or the, the conversation again. Thomas, verse 5, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, Thomas, you haven't yet quite caught on. I'm not talking about a geographical spot, and there's no road that's going to lead you there. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the reason your heart doesn't have to be troubled is because you can believe in me. The reason you have hope for the future is that you're going to be with me. And the way you get there is to know me. You see, Jesus says, you know the way. I am the way. There's not a lot of religious hoops that you have to jump through. There's, there's, there's not a, a bunch of rules and regulations that you have to make sure that you can check off in order to make sure that St. That Peter meets you at the gate and allows you in. No, the way it works is you know him. When you know him, you know his peace. When you know him, he prepares a place for you. When you know him, you know the path already because he is the way. He didn't teach us the way. He didn't point the way. He is the way. And those last two verses of this paragraph warn us that every road doesn't lead to heaven. There really is one way, one road, one plan of salvation. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He uses a definite article on all three of those, which which means I'm I'm the way. Without me, there's, there's, there's no going. I am the truth. Without me, there's no knowing. I am the life. Without me, there's no growing. Peter later put it this way in in the book of Acts in chapter 4. He said, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's the way it works. You know him, you get to know peace, you have a place, You know the the path. But it's not just that he's the only way. I don't think that's the only thing he's saying to them. I don't think he's only saying that, that he is the only way to get to heaven. I think he is also assuring them you already know the way. He's assuring them it's already settled for you. You already have the path. He was saying to them, you're going to be okay. So let not your hearts be troubled. Not only do we have a home to go to, but we know the way to get there and we can live in peace all along the way. Beloved, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust him. He's got it. He's got us. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son who would prepare the way and be the way. Thank you that he he paid the penalty for our sin that we might know life. Thank you that your love is so overwhelming and amazing that we can experience peace and joy even in the midst of chaos. Thank you. Father, I pray now that you would help us through the rest of this week to experience your peace. Let not our hearts be troubled. Lord, help us to experience your peace and to share that peace with others. Help us that we might be a voice, not only a voice of reason, but a voice of compassion in the midst of chaos. Father, help us that we might minister to those around us in appropriate ways to share with them the love of Christ who changes the world. We pray that you'd guide us and use us in that way for your glory this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Until we see each other again, be careful and be prayerful. Love you.